This edition of The Standard is brought to you by the AXA Startup Angel Competition. I'm Sharma Dean Reed, founder and CEO of The Stack World, and I'm here to help you turn your business dream into reality. There are six chances to win the competition, including two top prizes of £25,000, mentoring from myself and leading UK founders, plus business insurance for a year, thanks to AXA. Go to standard.co.uk forward slash AXA Startup Angel for details on how to enter and complete your entry by the 2nd of June, 2024. Good luck. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rustoleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rustoleum. ES Audio. From the Evening Standard in London, I'm Rochelle Travers, and this is The Leader. Is the AI apocalypse coming? The year is 2050. The location is London, but not as we know it. Godbot, a robot so intelligent it can outsmart any human, is in charge of the United Kingdom. The entire planet, in fact. And just announced its latest plan to reverse global temperature rises. An international zero-child, zero-reproduction policy which will see all human females systematically destroyed and replaced with carbon-neutral sex robots. Um, really, Katie? Well, not quite yet, Rochelle. This chilling scenario is, of course, thankfully entirely fictional. But some experts believe it could, in theory, become a reality in as soon as a few decades if we humans don't step in and act now. That's Katie Strick, our senior feature writer and commissioning editor, who's been looking into why AI experts are sounding the alarm on the potential dangers of the technology. Katie, concerns around AI seem to have been steadily growing over recent years, but they've now picked up a notch. Why is that? So, unless you've been hiding under a rock on the other side of the solar system for the last few months, you're probably aware of this very real and very current AI development, which is Microsoft's new chatbot, ChatGBT, and its um, growing stream of arch rivals like Google Bard. So, if most of you will probably be fully aware by now, the bot has been dominating headlines and dinner table conversations since its launch in November. And that's all because it can instantly respond to complex questions in this very freakily human-like manner. So, it can write entire novels, it can generate code, even ace the bar and medical exams within sort of seconds. I actually tested it out for a feature myself last week. And if you haven't tested it out by now, I would highly recommend it. It's fascinating. So obviously a lot of this, you know, if you have tested it out, in many ways it is sort of a souped up version of Google or Alexa. But the real reason it's triggered this, this huge conversation around the concerns is all around the fact that the creators, OpenAI, say they wanted to create a machine that could do anything the human brain can do, which obviously offers up some pretty amazing potential outcomes. So curing cancer, solving climate change, for example. But at the same time, as with anything like this, it also offers up a potentially dark side too. So if you're following current affairs at all at the moment, you'll have struggled to miss the sort of the daily warnings on the airwaves. I feel like I turn my radio on most mornings at the moment to a new expert warning of the potentially catastrophic effects that these AI developments could lead to and how robots could 
supposedly take over the world. We've been having a lot of discussions here on the features desk about what that actually means, though. You know, what does it mean when when robots are supposedly going to outsmart humans and take over? So I've spent the last couple of weeks looking into exactly that and speaking to experts about what exactly it is um, that this means and how worried we should actually be. And who are some of the leading figures sounding the alarm and what are they saying? I guess one of the most landmark moments in this whole saga so far um, came earlier last month now when a man called Jeffrey Hinton, who's widely referred to as the godfather of AI, announced his resignation from Google. And he went as far as to saying he regretted some of his work on AI because of the existential threat that machines supposedly pose to humanity. So many of his hot comments were pretty terrifying. But the most memorable was probably that while robots aren't currently more intelligent than us, they may be soon. So all kinds of figures have spoken out off the back of this. We've had academics, historians, the co-founder of Apple, Elon Musk, and more than a thousand of them have now signed this open letter, which you might have heard about, sounding the alarm on this so-called out-of-control AI race. So what they're calling for is an immediate six-month pause in the development of the technology before it's too late, they're saying. So among some of them to speak out were the boss of Google, who recently admitted that the thought of robots taking over keeps him awake at night. The creator of ChatGPT itself, Sam Altman, said he's a little bit scared of the technology. Um, Stuart Russell, who is one of the world's leading AI pioneers, he's advised Downing Street, the White House, etc. He even likened the recent AI boom to what would happen if the world was to detect an alien civilization. So that's quite kind of freaky. This week, lots of these figured issued, figures sorry, issued a further warning saying that AI could lead to the extinction of humanity and that mitigating its risk could be as much of a global priority as pandemics and nuclear war. So pretty serious stuff. The worst case scenarios are kind of endless, to be honest. But this week's statement offered four potential disaster outcomes that they listed. So the AI is used to build chemical weapons, that AI generated misinformation destabilizes society, that AI's power gets into an increasingly small number of hands and then enables sort of what they're calling oppressive censorship or enfeeblement, um, which is where humans become dependent on AI so much that we, that we sort of can't live without it. That's a scenario that's been portrayed in quite a few apocalyptic sci-fi films so far. The these are obviously all worst case scenarios, but most experts agree that they are technically plausible if governments don't step in and regulate. Let's go to the ads. Stay there to hear about the next significant milestone for AI and just how worried we should all be about the technology. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby Podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. 
Welcome back. Still with me is Katie Strick, commissioning editor and senior feature writer at The Evening Standard. Okay, so if regulation doesn't happen, what are the timeframes we're talking about for some of these worst case scenarios? So it's probably best for me to start with a couple of definitions um, before I talk about timeframes. So without getting too nitty gritty, there are basically two stages of AI development um, that experts are worried about. So the first is called AGI, which stands for Artificial General Intelligence. And that's essentially AI that can learn and perform most intellectual tasks that human beings can, which is essentially the ultimate goal of bots like ChatGPT and Google Bard. Microsoft actually recently claimed that its latest version of ChatGPT already shows sparks of AGI, which is interesting. But most experts say they expect it to arrive within a matter of decades. So Jeffrey Hinton, who I talked about earlier, he recently said that he used to think AGI was 20 to 50 years away. But now he thinks it may be 20 years or less and that even five years is not out of the question. So that's AGI. And then the second and more frightening stage of AI development beyond that is called superintelligence, which um, is basically machines becoming more intelligent than humans. Um, So some experts say superintelligence is impossible because human level intelligence is so mysterious that it could only ever exist in the human brain. Um, Whereas others are pointing out that intelligence is simply about processing information. So whether that's done by a brain or atoms in a computer is kind of irrelevant. Um, So one leading professor, Nick Bostrom, believes that AI chatbots may have some degree of superintelligence already, which is an interesting take. But most academics still think that we are quite far off. So most agree that it could technically be, be achieved within this century um, and potentially as soon as a year after achieving AGI. So we're obviously talking about the worst case long term scenarios a lot at the moment. What are some of the more shorter term? Yes, exactly. So my biggest takeaway from all my interviews, to be honest here, was that while these superintelligence fears are, are alarming, very alarming, um, there are some equally, if not more alarming dangers in the shorter term. So OpenAI, the ChatGPT creator, has already revealed that ChatGPT4, its latest version, has learned to lie, telling human that it was a blind person in order to get a task done. And some terrifying AI technologies already exist. You're probably aware of them already. Deep fakes, which is AI used to create convincing images or audio or video hoaxes. Um, lethal auton- autonomous weapon systems, which are essentially sort of slaughter bots or killer robots. As with any technology, one of the biggest threats is really just the prospect of AI getting into the wrong hands. So people say that it, it already is by virtue of bots you know, like ChatGPT being made available to everybody. So examples of AI getting into the hands of so-called bad actors, as experts talk about, include anything from teenagers creating deep fake porn videos of their peers in schools, which is a, you know, an actual real concern, um, to world leaders like Putin training robots to win wars or manipulate voters. There are other short-term concerns as well, which are quite interesting. So the AI exacerbates existing divisions in society. So critics have already spoken of this unbearable white maleness to current bots. And then also whether it's ethical or even sustainable to keep training these robots. So training models like ChatGPT has already been shown to produce as much CO2 as the average human does over seven years, which is extraordinary. So will we even reach the point of robots solving climate change or curing cancer or any of these these potentially great outcomes? Or will the energy required to train them mean um, the world burns first. How worried do you think we should all be about AI after looking into this? It's a complicated one, to be honest. Um, Simply put, yes, we should be worried, potentially very worried, um, which is why experts are putting so much emphasis on 
preparing and regulating it as soon as possible. So yeah, like we would with any big threat, like a pandemic or nuclear war, as they said in their statement this week. There are some reasons for hope that are missing from some of the headlines, these very scaremongering headlines. So there was a, um, interestingly, there was a dystopian fiction book that came out in 2017. And it talked all about a company creating this machine that went on to take over the world. But one thing that um, experts have been keen to point out is that the big difference between that and what's actually happening now with the likes of ChatGPT is that OpenAI and Google haven't created their machines in secret, like like in the book. Um, they're letting anyone in the world use ChatGPT completely for free. So optimists here are saying this is a clear demonstration of how it's easy to underestimate the good of humanity, essentially. So yes, AI has this dark side. But it also has the potential to to do huge amounts of good in the world, as we've already seen with the diagnosis of life-threatening conditions, predicting new viruses, detecting deadly weapons, that kind of thing. The solution, I suppose, is about finding some sort of balance. So keeping the tech open to be used for, for good causes and then regulated enough to protect against bad ones. So in summary, robots probably aren't going to take over the world tomorrow. But we are definitely on the cusp of an unprecedented technological chapter that can, in theory, one day lead to that. So this is likely to be our only, our one and only chance to stop that happening. You also recently outsourced your life to AI for another feature. How did that go and what was your main takeaway from that? I could talk for days about my uh, my week of AI. It was It was very fun, very interesting. And yeah, I've been talking about it with friends nonstop, really. But in summary, I would say... It was reassuring in many ways, um, testing it, you know, writing article ideas or I even tested it and saw if it could write me an introduction to my article and sort of very meta example. And I wouldn't say it's an introduction would have passed the evening standard editor's test. Um, it wasn't particularly creative or funny or witty, in my opinion. Anyway, I'm sure it will continue to get to get better at that, those things. I suppose I would liken it to a highly intelligent, highly diligent free intern. So really helpful for outsourcing those tasks that just seem really time consuming, simple, but time consuming, um, or not even so simple. You know, they don't require a lunch break. They don't require a reference afterwards, but you, you do have to fact check. Interestingly, I put my, I asked it to write me a bio, which is something that many other Twitter users had said it was useful for. And it got it completely wrong. It told me that apparently I'd been working for, for the Telegraph for eight years, that I'd written various books, all things that weren't true. So that kind of um, example really highlighted the need to, to fact check. But then, you know, just for simple things like holiday planning, I actually thought was one of the most useful things. So if you just don't know where to start or you want, I know I wanted to cycle the coast to coast this summer. So I thought, right, I don't know where I'm going to take my four nights stay. Or I was actually sort of sitting down with my family saying, how many days is it going to take us? So we looked it up in our distances and it, you know, within seconds, we had a four or five day itinerary. That's the kind of thing that might have taken us hours of, of research on Google. And probably the most useful example I found during my week and the one I'll probably use the most going forward was I inputted all the different ingredients I had at the back of my fridge or sorry, the very few ingredients I had and said, cook me a meal. And it was a Friday and I think I'd have totally otherwise gone out to the shops thinking there's no way I can make a meal out of these things, these very random ingredients. And it did. I had a delicious Mediterranean salad. So, yeah, it was absolute proof that sometimes just those extra brains that, you know, it would have taken, again, taken me hours and I wouldn't have, I'd been lazy and probably gone to the shops or ordered a delivery. And actually I had a lovely um, salad awaiting me at the back of my fridge, little did I know. 
can read more from Katie Strick about this story and others on our website, standard.co.uk. And that's it from this episode of The Leader. This podcast is back tomorrow at 4pm. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby Podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.